Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Profit to the Nation, Autumn Miller's podcast channel. Um, this series, we're going to be talking about warfare prayer. Um, I have a clip that I need for you to listen to, so grab a snack. Oh, it's about 50 minutes. We'll be here before you. Try not to be here before you too long. <laughs> grab your snack. Grab your drink. Get comfortable. If you're driving, turn the radio up. Um, be safe out there. If you're at home, um, grab you a headset and a quiet place. And hopefully this will bless your spirit. Um, warfare is a part. It has really intensified right now. Uh, due to this time and the season that we're in. And I really want, um, to bring this to your attention, God has laid this on my heart that you guys really have to start learning to really know how what it means to warfare and know what kind of prayer needs to go forth when you're in certain situations. Okay? So, with that being said... <laughs> take so much and I know you're hungry but like I said it'll sure be good when you get there so stay awake with me. <laughs> a professional golfer stands in the fairway 275 yards away from the green. His caddy stands beside the golf cart a few feet away and there are different clubs for different purposes and uh, this golfer this golfer saying uh I'm a professional. Intuitively, I know which club to use to get the job done that I desire. So knowing the kind of prayer 
that you need and how to pray. This precious young anointed apostolic young man called of God has just stood here as Mordecai and he has told us that he was there guarding the presence of God. But you know how he guarded that? By howling. Say howling. In the streets. In sackcloth. And in ashes. And he was guarding. He was sending messages. But he was howling. I want you to just hang on to that for just a minute. Sometimes we're going to need a different golf club to just knock it. As far as we want to knock it. And then we lay that one down and pick up another one. So it is a vital secret to your prayer life to know whether it is a confession prayer that you need. Say a confession prayer. Say a thanksgiving prayer. Or a petition prayer. Or an intercession. That's never for yourself. That's always for somebody else. Say supplication. And to help you with that, I like to use this as mine. I came up with this. I don't know where it fits, but when Jesus in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, it's with strong, say strong, cryings and even tears, say with supplication, with supplication. To me, he was suffering the Lord God for what was planned for him in the days of his flesh on the days of this earth so that he might fulfill it. And that's why he even prayed uh, when they were trying to throw him over the cliff. He did not want to die any other way, only the excruciating death on the cross. So he suppled his own, the will of God. That's why in the garden he wrestled with the will of God. So supplication to me is one of the strongest forms of prayer. And God said in Zechariah he was going to pour out the spirit of what? Supplication on Israel. And that's when they're going to supple him. Now show us. And then that uh, revelation is going to come forth. So uh, confession, thanksgiving, petition, intercession, uh, supplication. And then what else? Say praise. Praise is a, it, it, it's a combative force. It, it's, it's, another, it's another club. It's another club. So I don't just use and I'm going to get even into talking in tongues. But every utterance, say every utterance, accommodates a need in this world and in this life. Even maybe the spoken word of faith, it's combative, it's forceful, and various forms of standing in prayer to resist the devil. Now, let's settle this right now. We're in war. There's not a, there's not a one in this room that their back is not to the wall with something. You don't need to feel individual or go to feeling sorry for yourself and go to sucking on your thumb. We've all got problems. We are in a war. And if you let any of that keep you from warring back and coming on to church and warring in this place, I'm sorry, folks, we're going to lose the battle. And now you've heard the revelation. So every period of church history has experienced spiritual warfare ever. There's never been a generation. We've got it better in some ways than any generation has ever had it. And it will blow your mind what the next generation is going to have that will be inconceivable of us even right now. 
One of the ministers that sat with me last week on that little uh, platform showed me his watch that he stores into that watch. Every member of his church and everything about them, he doesn't have to ask, ask for a Rolodex or call his secretary. He just punches that, da 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 And it is full of information, that one little watch. We are entering into the most sophisticated age of all generations. But there will never be a generation that's not at war. Because it began in heaven and it will wind up in the great tribulation when he comes back on those horses and we come with him and he's going to do battle with all of that. I'm sorry, we are at war. You'll never get to lay your clubs down. You'll never get to, you'll never get to lay them down. And as the end draws closer, say the devil will pull out all of his stops. So be ready for it. Spiritual warfare is a reality for this church today. And the Bible mentions the theme of war with many, many, many times, even describing, say, our Lord as a what? Warrior. Say, he's a warrior. That's what Exodus 15 and 3 says. The Lord is a warrior. Yea, Jehovah is his name. So the first spiritual battle, as we said, took place in heaven. And there was war in heaven. Michael and the angels fought. I have to tell you this to tell you something good. Uh, and he fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels, Revelation 12, 7, 8, and uh, prevailed, they prevailed not. That's what I want you to get a hold of. Say, they prevailed not. Come on, get it. Say, they, they, they fought, but they didn't prevail. They didn't prevail. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. We're fixing to wipe the slate clean. Say, Michael and his angels were created... For battle. They didn't come against Lucifer with fluttering wings on fluffy clouds of glory. So say they fought. And they what? <laughs> that's what I want you to get. Say they fought. And they won. And that's what's important. And we should always go into every service, every week, get up on Monday morning. You'd like to sack out. But you get up on Monday morning and you enter back into warfare. You're building up for the weekend. So on Wednesday night you can have an explosion. I don't care if it's a Bible study. I don't care what it is. Say, so we're going to have an explosion. It's too late to be normal. It's too late to think small. It's the end time. we got to do it quick. we got to get with them and have a sovereign move of God. So we've got to be determined, say, to win. We, we're... we're we don't want a spiritual Vietnam on our hands. We don't want a bunch of victims and, 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 and uh, military uh, casualties. And we've got to go into this with a clear mind, with a made-up heart, clean hands, pure heart, our minds made up. You've got to enter into spiritual warfare, say, with a determination to fight to the finish and win. And unless you've won, you have a finish because you're a winner. So fight to the finish. So we're going to fight and we're going to claim victory. And we've got to enter spiritual warfare just knowing that we're going to be the winners. There are many among us say they talk the talk, but they won't walk the walk. They won't battle. They won't walk the walk. So as we get closer to the end and we get closer to the coming of the Lord, say spiritual warfare... Is going to intensify. We're not called to fight a little minor battle. 
We're fighting major battles and we've got to intensify as he intensifies. On your home and everywhere. And so Paul said, and I, I, I leave you just with this and move on to my lesson. It is true that I'm not in Second Corinthians 10, 3 and 5 where he gave us his job description. He said, it is true that I'm not an ordinary weak human being. I don't use human plans and methods to win my battles. I use God's mighty weapons, not those made by men, to knock down the devil's strongholds. These weapons can break down every proud argument against God and every wall that can be built to keep men from finding Him. And with these weapons, I can capture rebels, bring them back to God, change them into men whose hearts desire is obedience to Jesus Christ. And He said, this works mightily in me. Just tie me up to anybody in 15 minutes. I'll have them. I'll have them convinced that this is the truth. Are you hearing me? I'll have them convinced. They had to change his guards every 15 minutes because Paul won them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why he said, take unto you the whole armor of God. And as you said, uh, this church holds the leverage to the... I don't care if you've got just a feeble hand. You hold the leverage to the greatest power in all the world. And you have all of heaven backing you. Angels can't do what you do, but they can just back you up. All the ages is backing us up. They're all in the grandstands watching how we play ball. Don't sit in the grandstands at church. You play ball with us. Say their eyes are upon us and say we're looking. So let me just tell you one more thing we need besides those mighty weapons that the Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. And I'm not taking time to read those because you've read them time and time again. Taking under you the whole armor of God. But there's another powerful weapon that says that's the anointing. Now come on. The Lord God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Uh, I, I want to tell this precious man that preached this morning, Brother Nickerson, that my father was a one God, Jesus named Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, devil-chasing, uh, apostolic preacher. One God, he said, you better get that settled in your mind in Jesus' name, baptism. And then when he went to pray for a woman that's in our church today, she was, she is a minister. She pastored in Galveston, Texas. She was in the hospital dying. He pastored in Beaumont, Texas. He drove over there. Brother Anthony was a little boy. Went with him. He walked in that room with that one God, Jesus name, Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, and hours a day of prayer, and knew this book like he knew the back of his hand. And he walked in there and said, "Devil." The doctor walked out and said, "She won't be here very long." He walked in there and said, "Devil." Uh, death, there's not room enough for me and you both in here. One of us is going and I'm not going. That's what, you, that's what you've got, Brother Nixon, when you stand and rejoice about that. And so God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. We're talking about the flesh, the days of his flesh. The flesh is just as real as his almightiness is real. And he anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. So what I'm going to talk to you about uh, this afternoon is this, that the Lord is a warrior. Now let me tell you, 1 John 3 and 8 tells us, For this purpose, God Almighty manifested Himself in the flesh. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that He might do what? De the what? Works of the devil. I want everybody to memorize that. Say, God became a man. That's why you believe in one God, folks. And just to believe in one God is not going to save you. 
unless you believe why that one God was manifesting. There would have been no Calvary if that man of God had been, if God Almighty had been manifesting the flesh. You wouldn't have even known how to win souls. You wouldn't even know how to pray. God became a man. God is one God manifesting the flesh to destroy the works of the devil. I want to talk about how he did it. I want to talk about how God Almighty, for this purpose, God became a man. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, in the New Testament, you will see the culmination and fulfillment of God's plan and purpose in equipping us for spiritual combat. Because God is going to have a counterpart in this earth. That's this bride. God is going to have a co-regent. He's going to have, uh, he, he's going to have a co-heir. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He's going to have a wife to sit with him in the throne. She's going to stand shoulder to shoulder with him. We're in this together with Him. Whatever He did, we are to do. He became a man to get us. And so, in the New Testament, He is going to teach us why He was manifest in the flesh. And the best example for us to examine and to emulate is this. That God has come to do battle with the devil. And I want you to understand that God has said in this church... Uh, he had said in this church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healing, say helps, governments, and say diversities. Here we come with some more what? Clubs. Here we come with some more clubs. Say diversities of tongues. We're going to talk about a warring tongue. We're going to talk about a devotional tongue. We're going to talk about a, uh, a birth tongue. We're going to talk about a congregational tongue that needed to be interpreted a while ago. But when I get home in my own prayer, I want to talk about that warring tongue. I want to talk about that tongue that can just chase the devil out of your life. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Say diversities of tongues. And say each of those utterances is going to serve or to accommodate a different need down here. Now, we know that tongues are the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We know that there's tongues for uh, interpretation. And we know that there's tongues for edification that releases the anointing, builds faith, pulls people out of the fire. Did you know that? Jude said, praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Building up your most holy what? Faith. Pulling them out of the what? Fire. So Holy Ghost prayer can pull people right out of the fire. Because it builds up your faith. And the, and the prayer of faith is the only prayer that's going to be answered. So the prayer of faith, Holy Ghost talking in tongues, pulls people right out of the fire. You just wore the devil and you unfasten and you unshackle them. So uh, tongues of intercession, uh, and uh, we've got that, is one of our best weapons of warfare. Jude says it builds up your most holy faith. So in the Gospels, we see Jesus as a powerful warrior with a new set of combat tactics and with one consuming passion in this life. That's his mission is to destroy. And I want you to get that. We've come today to learn how to destroy the works of the devil. That's what warfare is. When he healed the sick, he was destroying the works of the what? Thank you. Say, before the foundation of the world, He was the Lamb for sinners slain. It's the will of God for your body to be healed. But somebody is going to have to use comeback tactics to unshackle you and to drive sicknesses out of your body, to drive strongholds out of your body, 
to pull down diseases and to set people free. He even raised the dead with combat tactics. Cast out devils. Are we still doing that? Do we believe in that in Canada? Casting out devils. And he challenged the traditions of the Pharisees. I'm going to tell you how he did it. And I want you to follow me. He was confronting the rulers of darkness. You're not up against a little uh, snake in the Garden of Eden. You're down here 6,000 years later. Up, that little snake has become a what in Revelation? Say a dragon. Say in one place he's, de- he's depicted. You can't even describe it. We don't know what he is. We don't know whether he's a bear or a lion or, or whatever. Say that's what we're up against. We're confronting the rulers of darkness as did Jesus in his day. He confronted sickness. He confronted death. He confronted devils and cast them out. He challenged the traditions of the Pharisees. And he was confronting the rulers of darkness. Now look at his earnestness, his passionateness, his fervency. Say he prayed shamelessly, indecorously, sleeplessly, sleeplessly, sleeplessly. He who came to destroy the works of the devil... When they bring to him one that is deaf, get this, listen, don't miss it, with an impediment in his speech, Jesus put his fingers into his ears and say he spit and he touched his tongue. But get this, he looked up to heaven, he sighed, and he said, be opened. Now the Greek word used here is stenazo, which is translated in Romans 8.23 as groaned when he sighed in the spirit. When he sighed, he was really groaning in the spirit. First he sighed or groaned, and then he used the rhema, the word. And when he spoke the word after he had what? Thank you. Thank you. Because you're confronting the what? The darknesses and the evil of this world and the rulers of darkness and the things that's got a hold of people that we cannot penetrate. There's no need to speak the word until we groan against what's got them bound now. There's no need to come preach the sermon until you've knocked down everything, every stronghold that's got them bound and they can't even get the revelation of truth. I hope you understand this. He sighed, which means he groaned, and then he used the rhema. Immediately the ears were opened and the string of his tongue loosed and he spake plainly, but it was through this process. He groaned in the spirit and then he spoke the word. He did some strange things even before that, folks. We are not a regular run-of-the-mill people. There may be a time just like this young man jumped up on that pew there to a lot of people. They would say, how dare he step upon our... Hey, Ezra pulled his hair out to get the attention of his generation. Isaiah almost became a streaker. We won't talk about that, but I'm just going to tell you, folks. I'm just going to tell you that it's no small thing to get the attention of this generation. They've seen everything. They've heard everything. They've felt everything. We've got to become a people that knows how to use these clubs, these combat tactics, variety of tongues. And the Pharisees now, this is the second one. Watch this one. The Pharisees come forth. They began to question him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. He sighed in his spirit because that's what they came for. And said, why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall be no sign given unto you in this generation. 
And in Mark 7, Jesus died grown and brought forth a physical healing. And in Mark 8, when the Lord was being tempted, He also used groans for a way of deliverance to be open to Him. I'm telling you that the groaning there made a way of escape for Jesus when they were tempting Him. The groaning, you will not come out of the situations that you're in until you know how to use that club of groaning in the Spirit. I groaned in the Spirit yesterday to get here today. I'm not, I'm not storing to you. I groaned in the Spirit. Now Sister Tenny is groaning in the Spirit. And so those that were watching me and that got off of that plane with me here and that they stopped. I was moving my lips, but there was something. <laughs> I don't know. I guess they thought I was in pain. But I said, don't mind me. I'm in a situation and I'm talking to God. You just go ahead and do your... I'm telling you. We're up against some things, folks, and you don't need to be embarrassed about it. I don't mean that you have to altogether be so uh, unconventional that people would think and would not accept what you're trying would be the only reason I would care that I could just keep their goodwill so that they'll keep listening to my message. I'll keep the messenger so they'll keep listening to my message. All I'm telling you is that we're confronting some things that when Jesus confronted those things, he groaned in the spirit. He sighed. And then he did the operation of the thing. We'll never have what we're supposed to have until we bombard and until we unshackle and until we absolutely saturate this whole area with prayer and put a shield about this church and about, and again around our leaders and unshackle the... Uh, uh, would you think there were any backsliders in this area or in your area? Let's see your heads. Do you think God is still married to the backslider? Do you think some groaning in the Spirit could wake them up at night and let them come to the church as many did last week and the week before? And a doctor fixes to commit suicide and call and say, meet me there. Hey, it was prayer that woke them up and got them there. I'm telling you, somebody's got to groan in the Spirit. If you walked in there right now, you would hear people groaning in the Spirit. And they're walking off the streets and said, what's that noise? I felt something when I was driving by here. I felt something while I was walking by here. And come in there and, and, and be unshackled and pray through to the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, anywhere is a good where. Are you hearing me? Are you understanding? If you get this revelation, then you don't do this, folks. The revelation is no good. If you understand who Esther was and what she came to do, and then you don't do it, baby, you may be set aside too. I'm telling you. Because God's looking for a God's looking for an empty vessel. He wants somebody that will groan with Him, sigh with Him, reach with Him, say, destroy the works of the devil with Him. Go ahead and clap your hands. I know you're tired and hungry. confront you and when the devil brings enticement and unbearable circumstances and situations and, uh, and your faith seems to falter, if you will yield to the Holy Ghost, and, and, and I want you to just realize that you can yield to the Holy Ghost, to the Spirit, and begin to groan in the Spirit. And the Holy Ghost will make a, an escape will be opened unto you. It will help your infirmities and will make a way of escape. Say, I need a deliverance. I need a deliverance. And say, God said He was going to fix it for me. But I've got to groan in the Spirit to bring it to pass. If Jesus groaned, if He sighed, why didn't He just put His hand on Him and go right up? Oh no. He was confronting the darkness. He went by the pattern that you and I have got to go by to destroy the works of the devil. 
So in, in John 11, say Lazarus had died. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down. You know the whole story. I'm not even going to say that because I might not keep you too long this evening. And, and he groaned in the spirit when he saw her weeping and all the Jews weeping. He groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. Say, this is God. This one mighty God in the days of his flesh is groaning in the spirit. And he was troubled. And the word groan here, embryo uh, mei, which means to snort. You don't want to accept that? Well, you listen. To snort as a horse in fear or in anger. They flare their nostrils and they make terrible noises. He was troubled, which means to stir up or to agitate. So when he is facing death, when he is facing a bigger enemy than an impediment of speech or or ears, he is facing him head on and he's got to destroy the works of the devil. He's groaning. Now look at this. Jesus, God in the flesh. He's making funny noises. He's troubled. He's stirred. He's agitated. Is he the resurrection and the life? Then why did he do all of this, folks? Come on and answer me. I need to know why he's doing all of this. You say, well, God said he was going to do it. Bless God, we're just going to sit here and wait and expect the Lord. He'll never do it. Somebody is waiting over yonder that's groaning. Somebody over there is uh, snorting. Somebody over there is howling in the streets. Somebody over there is saying, come on by here, Lord. Somebody is praying. Somebody is fasting. Somebody is calling on you. Somebody is speaking your word. He's stirred up. He's agitated. He's not happy with the situation. Is there any situation in your life you're not happy about? Are you ready to groan about it? How about even snort about it? How about even sigh about it? How about even cry about it? Now watch this. So Jesus, what? Thank you. Look at what Holy Ghost tears could do. It is... It is the thing that redeemed my life, having received the Holy Ghost since I was five years of age. But being an authentic little girl and an authentic woman, my father was was this man that kept Esther. My father, but I would watch him. I would listen to him. And he would pray at night for our needs. I would hear him groan in the spirit and it marked me. I would watch him as he'd go out on the back porch. And I would watch through the window. I would hear him and I'd want to follow him because it drew me. And I wanted to go there. And I'd see the moon coming down on that face and I'd see the tears flowing. And then I'd hear somebody knock on the door. Brother Gibson, something just told us that your family was in need and we brought you a basket of groceries. Or the next time it was... We know that your old Model T Ford is just about over with and we, we know and, and, and we brought you a car note. I'm just telling you folks that that's the way it used to be. And now it's like they said, we're surrounded with so many good things till you don't even have to pray for that anymore. So God's putting a lot of other things on us. He's putting a lot of other things on us that you're going to have to groan a little bit. You're going to have to howl in the streets a little bit. You're going to have to sigh a little bit. You say, I, I, don't, I don't think I'll ever have to do that. Yes, every one of us will be in the corner. We'll be handcuffed. And something, if you're going to unshackle your children, 
If you're going to set the church free, if you're going to redeem your own life, there's going to be some groaning, sighing, crying, howling, mourning, warring tongues, militant tongues, attacking, confronting, tearing down strongholds. I saw one woman last week in our church, and I never saw such a sight in all of my life, but I will. I will not be able to stand here and tell you the results because it involved a lot of things. But she had done that, and she had done that and done that. But God was clearing up some things, and when it fell, it was like a bunch of dominoes that fell. But I saw her taking her finger, and she was praying with that warring tongue, a militant tongue. And she was attacking, and she was confronting the works of the devil. The works of the devil. So then all she had to do, she said, come forth. And she called him by that name, that, that individual name. She said, come forth. And that individual came forth. Do you want it? Do you want that to happen to your son? Do you want that to happen to your girl? Do you want that to happen to your church? Do you want that to happen to your city? You, you've got to confront the forces of evil and the darknesses of this world. Jesus wept. Jesus was groaning. Jesus was snorting. Jesus was sighing. Jesus was stirred up, agitated, crying in the spirit. And Jesus hit Satan work head on, say with powerful intercession. And Lazarus is lying in the tomb. He's been dead for four whole days. All of the Jews are standing around questioning why Jesus was not able to keep him from dying. Mary and Martha are broken hearted and they're grieving. And Jesus had just taken his time because he knows what he's up against. And he knows it's hard work. Come on, folks, and understand me. It's not easy to deliver them. It's not easy to face death head on and say, Death, there ain't enough room in here for me and you both and I ain't leaving. That's not easy. It's not easy to face him head on and say, That's my boy and you're not getting him. I gave him to God and you're going to give him up. It's not easy to look at him and say, that's my girl and that's my grandchildren. Does anybody here have any of that kind? I'm telling you, folks, you're going to have to learn to groan in the spirit, use militant tongues, attacking, confronting, say, tearing down every stronghold, unshackling them so they can do the will of God. God will not trample on the sovereignty of their will, but you don't understand they're shackled. They're bound by strongholds. That we've got to bind the strong man in them before the stronger can come in. So all I'm asking you to do is to bind the strong man. Bind the territorial spirits that, that control this place. I don't care whether it's dope, alcohol, lust, perversion, underworld gangs, gangs in the streets. We're trying to do it in Alexandria. We just voted out. We will not let gambling come in there. And they just voted it out because we've been warring against it in warring times. Coming against it. Say, that's the only way to handle all of that. Politicking wouldn't have gotten that done. We came against it in the power with these clubs, different clubs, warring tongues, militant tongues. How many of you want your boy saved? You want your girl saved? You want your church to have a revival and then an evangelical thrust and bringing them in? We're going to have to confront the forces of darkness and the forces of evil because people are there and you might as well recognize it and an easy little old, an easy little band-aid won't get the job done. Here, here, here we are, hopelessness, despondency, and Jesus comes making all these peculiar noises, groaning, sighing, weeping. What they don't realize is, is that Jesus is warring through intercession. You don't understand. 
You don't understand if you've never been there. And it is so hard on the body. But he's warring through intercession against the natural forces of death that have Lazarus bound up. Jesus groans in himself. He cometh to the grave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus told us to take away the what? And they took away the stone and I'm going to cut it short. And when he thus had spoken, say he cried with a loud voice. Lazarus come forth. But what had he done before that? Say he sighed. He groaned. He wept. Just a lot of those clubs that he was using knocking against the death. Are you hearing me? And then he comes there and he cried with a loud voice. Oh, this, this does something to me. Lazarus come forth. And he that was dead came forth, but he's still bound. Hey, just because you get them in there, honey, they still all bound up and trapped up, entangled. That, that, oh yeah, you just got, that's like, a, that, that's like Elisha laying his body over the, uh, uh, over the dead boy. And he, how many times does, how many times does he sneeze? Come on, tell me. How many times? Seven times. Did he stop the first time he sneezed? No, I hear somebody sneezing, but I ain't given up yet. I, I've heard him sneeze twice, in fact, but I'm not giving up yet. I've got to hear him sneeze about seven times. Hey, this is going to work. That we heard, it's going to work. This is what I'm telling you will work. Hallelujah. We're confronting the forces of evil and darkness. We're snatching them right out of the mouth of hell. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot and grave clothes. Jesus comes against these forces, breaks their authority, so that resurrection power, oh, and I want you to get this, can flow into Lazarus. Say, resurrection power had to flow into Lazarus. And that came, yes, Jesus is the resurrection and the life, but he just didn't stand there and do a little one, two, three. This was hard work on the flesh to do what Jesus did to raise Lazarus from the dead. They're not going to come forth, folks. It'll never be easy. There is no easy way. Calvary's not easy. Bethlehem wasn't easy either. And there are no easy ways. He has already broken the power of the enemy so he can command Lazarus to come forth. But you can't command a, a sermon won't bring him forth until we've got that other bound. Do you really believe that? Jesus did not... Jesus did. Peter didn't preach his sermon on the day of Pentecost till the Spirit began what? Flowing. The flowing of the Spirit. So we need the power and the authority to speak to our neighbors when we get on the plane so that people will look to us with, uh, and say, I feel something there. I'm telling you they do. Because if you've got it, you've got it. And it's the power that spoke this world into existence. It's the power that overshadowed Mary. She conceived of the Holy Ghost. I've got something so powerful in me. If I would groan and travail and use that warring tongue, that militant tongue, a variety of, uh, a variety of utterances, groanings, Roaring out of Zion. It's all through the book. He roared out of Zion. Uh, howlings and sighings and cryings and other tongues are just a few of these diversities of utterances. Brother Mangan, I've heard him on many occasions. Once in Pena, Illinois. We were in a high school auditorium. It was a big city uh, uh, revival. And we were the one-night uh, speakers. And all of the city officials were there. Brother Mangan is preaching. And I'm sitting over there. I've just sung. And, uh, and Brother Mangan is preaching and goes into talking in tongues. And I, now you hear me. I thought, well, uh, you know, these officials are here. And that's such a powerful sermon. I wish he would have gone on and kept preaching. And, and let the spirit of the prophet be subject to the prophet. 
But you know, after it was not interpreted. It didn't need to be. When he got through preaching that night, here came a stalwart young man bouncing from the back, jumped on top, jumped on that uh, platform at that high school auditorium, shook Brother Mangan's hand, talking in a foreign language. And, and Brother Mangan said, Sir, I don't know what you're saying. He said, Yes, you do. You just talk to me in that language. He said, If you were to cut my head off, I wouldn't know a thing in the world. Uh, that I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know what you were saying. And then he began weeping. He said, I'm a Mormon. Told Brother Mangan what he uh, said. And he said, I'm convinced. Got the Holy Ghost. Six months later, was killed in a car wreck. God shut that whole service down because a man of God was using combative forces. Uh, are you hearing me? And God reached out there and got that. No telling us what this did a while ago. It was something that broke, that needed to break, and strongholds were pulled down in this meeting. Yes, and, and, and one time in South Bend, Indiana, and there was an atheist sitting there, and he comes up and shakes Brother Mangan's hand. He said, I've heard you do that twice. And he said, one, one time it was in what you say your Lord's native tongue is Aramaic. And he said that, and told him what he said. He said, I'm convinced this has changed me. We've got a, we've got a bundle of supernatural combative forces to come against and unshackle people and get this revelation into their mind. God has set in the church diversities of tongues. And combative forces and everything that we do. I don't care if it's groaning. I hear you saying when somebody makes a point, hmm. Well, that's powerful. God's doing something. That gives an amen. That gives, that gives an amen to it. So we need that power and authority to speak to our neighbors. Even the gifts of the Spirit. Brother Mangan's mother and Noble Berger, which is Sister, um, Sister Kinsey's brother. And Pop Mangan, pastor of the church in South Bend, Indiana. Gerald and I were there for revival. Nothing had broken. Nothing was giving. And it was dry and dead and twice dead and plucked up with the roots. And Mom Mangan and Noble Berger one night went into a holy laugh with each other that lasted for an hour and a half until their sides were sore even the next day. And they were pointing at each other, just dying laughing. And they who were there, it was at the close of the service day that were there. It happened to them and the holy life, holy laugh just broke out on everybody. Do you know that a revival broke and 50 people got the Holy Ghost after that? We've got to rely, we've got to rely on these accommodations. We've got to rely on these, uh, on these, what do I call them? Say clubs. So I've got a club. I've got a club. I don't care if it's laughing in the spirit. I don't care what it is. Uh, I, I, as a little girl, as a little girl, uh, uh, I heard old, and, and, and you've heard me tell that. I heard old Grandma uh, Terry say, uh, old Grandma Terry, her son was going to kill my father because he was preaching on time. And back there, honey, like 75, 70, how many years ago? 65. <laughs> I was a little bitty girl. Now I'm 70. So uh, he comes in there. He's going after my father and his mother sitting there. But she always testified the same way every time. I love the Lord because I feel it way down in my hiccup, hiccup, that was it. Hickaba, hickaba, ho. Now that you say, and I used to ask my mother, I said, why does Grandma Terry say hickaba, hickaba, ho every time? <laughs> he said, the, she said the same way you say, may I have some, may I have some chicken please may I have some gravy please it's the same thing she's saying the same thing it may be hallelujah glory to God amen thank you 
Okay, and that's our time right there. It, um, sorry about the last ending, but um, I want to pinpoint something out what she says, and I think what what gives us a little bit of trouble is warfare takes a toll on the physical body, and a lot of us, I've seen, what I've witnessed is lazy. <laughs> Don't want to put the time into warfare. You know, where to call somebody else and say, can you pray, or will you pray, or or, you know, it is good to have some other people that are anointed in that area, but God is speaking to you tonight, to you and to the body. He wants us all to learn how to do, how to use our warring tongue and how to groan and, um, and how to, what prayer do we need to pray in the spirit? Like when she was talking about Lazarus, that was, that was really good. He, she said he, he had a, he let out a big cry, big sigh. He was moaning and groaning in the spirit. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. So that's what we got to know. I know there was, let me tell you something real quick. There's something personal. Um, my son just turned 18 not too long ago, and I kept warning him, kept warning him about some things. And he didn't listen. The enemy the enemy seized an opportunity. He got some serious trouble. And uh, the day that he had to surrender to the authorities and handle the, his business, um, before he went into that jail, I had... I had to cry. I mean, I, it just came out. Like, I guess I asked the officer, I said, hey, officer, can I give him a hug? And he was like, yeah, you can give him a hug. And I'm, whoo, I done forgot I was in the sheriff's department and everything. I had to go war in the spirit, intercede right then and there. I didn't even know, I wasn't even planning on dealing with that that day. It just had, we had to take care of some business and one thing led to another. Next thing I know, there was a warrant for his arrest, and then we had to go handle that. I'm like, oh, my God. I kept telling him, I kept warning him, like, look, you know, this is coming. When the enemy's getting ready to set a trap, you got to be watchful. He he was off guard. I said, that's why you got to put on the full armor. Come on, pay attention. What are you doing? You know, that's how I talked to him by my children. But, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it could be my house, your house. We're all, like she said, we're all facing something. But that day... I I have really, you know, intercession prayer, warfare prayer, and that's my thing. But, man, that day it was on, because that was my child. That was a whole different other level. I went from being in my city and went straight, <laughs> ran and talked to heaven. Boom, boom. I was out of there. But uh, it took a toll on your body. Yes, it does. But, you know, he when we're weak, he'll make us strong. He'll give us the strength to get through it. But this is a part of our walk. This is Jesus done the same. He's done the same thing. He had to go through it. We're going to have to go through it. A lot of time, people, we don't want to go through this. And I like also what she said is how she was talking about the gambling and all those things coming to our city. We got the power and authority to cut some of these things out. But we got to war. We got to use our warring tongue a roaring tongue so i hope this encouraged you tonight i want to keep it for you long I encourage you to really learn about this you know do you need a deliverance do you need some strongholds broken out of your life um we need to bind some things up and all of the above it's going to take some work but jesus had to do it so we got to do it and let us stop being lazy and come on we just you know listen come on god gave some of you guys the key uh, the keys to the city that you're living in, but the doors are locked and bound up with the enemy, and you guys are just sitting there wondering how you're going to get it open. Come on, God is God is speaking to me to tell you today. Come on, warfare. Learn and get a warring tongue. I pray that on your life in Jesus' name. I pray that you get a warring tongue 
in Jesus' name. Stop allowing the works of the enemy to come in on your life and the forces of darkness to have so much authority over the jurisdiction that the, the God gave you guys. Come on, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. <laughs> I speak that over your life. Tell her what you want. Jesus on the main line. I said Jesus on the main line. Call him up and tell him what you want. I love y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in to Prophet to the Nation. God bless you.